talk about the second series of Blackadder. It is set in Elizabethan times and I've worked out the timing of this series of Blackadder to be the 1580s because Sir Walter Raleigh's back, Philip of Spain who was the Catholic equivalent of the defender of the faith which is what Elizabeth I was, got terribly upset that the English had beheaded Mary Queen of Scots and sent an armada. The English believed that the Spanish were going to invade. They believed it was imminent. So there was a lot of anti-Catholic sentiment. Elizabeth tightened her quite, for the time, loose controls on Catholic dissidents, people who were not of the English faith. So that was another thing which indicated it's the 1580s that they're talking about. They set the show in. By that stage, Elizabeth wouldn't be young and beautiful like Miranda Richardson is as Queenie. She was in her 50s. She had smallpox scars and she was slathering herself in lead makeup every day, which also was destroying her skin. Anyway, Blackadder, we've got same players. We've got Miranda Richardson as Queenie. We've got Patsy Byrne as Nursey. We've got Tim McInerney as Percy. We've got Blackadder. We've got Baldrick. We've got Stephen Fry as Melchett. The episode I am looking at is Beer, where Blackadder is perpetually cash poor and his aunt and uncle, Lord and Lady Whiteadder, who have the money in the family, are coming for dinner to discuss his inheritance. Lord and Lady Whiteadder are Puritans. They are very, very strict. Blackadder also gets talked into having an almighty booze up that night with Melchett and several other mates. So they set up two separate rooms. One is a very austere dining table for Lord and Lady Whiteadder. The other one is in Baldrick's bedroom where they have the piss up. And away it goes. This is probably the most memorable episode from when I, you know, saw it originally. And I think it was the, you know, Miriam's role as Lady Whiteadder and just the way she slapped him across the face. Like, oh. I think uh, it's yeah it's very memorable lots of slapstick one-liners jokes about dicks you know funny yes lots of jokes about bottoms and things look I think it was a great episode to highlight that just because somebody was one of the nobles or part of the court that they didn't have like significant financial issues and they were always looking at tapping into that old money and the family money, which seems to sort of pervade right the way through all of the courts of England over time. I mean, even up until when Prince Philip came onto the scene with Elizabeth II. Absolutely. Uh, he was know, an impoverished it, it, royal. That's right. So it is a quite a common theme throughout history and particularly that part of English history. So, And I think they nailed it pretty well. Yeah, I think they did. They have some great quotes in it. One of my favourite ones from the whole Blackadder series is the Queen says to Blackadder, sometimes I think about having you executed just to see the expression on your face. Love it. (laughs) And Baldrick's preoccupation with turnips. 
every series they've got turnip jokes about it and they're usually around Baldrick. And Miriam Margulies. Thank you. Miriam Margulies' role as Lady Whitehatter. Oh, she's gold, isn't she? She's a religious fanatic and she's not against giving people a good slap around if they need it. And I love it. She's a very loud, obnoxious woman in real life as well. She she is. I love her. She's she's great and she lives in Australia now. She's she got, does. So it's a very common plot, this episode of Blackadder, where you've got two diametrically opposed events happening in the same place. One person's got to go between them and not get confused and he's got to keep them separate. And this is what happens with the dinner with Lord and Lady Whiteadder and with the booze up in the other room. And just to complicate factors, the Queen decided that she would come along and see what actually happens at these events. And she would disguise herself by wearing a a cape and a cowl. And Blackadder saw the skirts and went, yeah, nah, and just shoved her in a cupboard and left her there. The night goes on, it all falls apart very quickly and Lady Whiteadder says, can you explain yourself? And he says, I can't, not just like that. I am wearing a cardinal's hat because I'm Cardinal Chunder. I have an ostrich up my bottom because Mr Ostrich put it there to keep the little pixies in and I'm grinning inanely because I think I've just about succeeded in conning you and your daft husband out of a whopping great inheritance. (laughs) He gets sprung. Lord and Lady Whiteadder go to leave and they open the wrong door and out comes the Queen. Oh, the booze-up people have come out too. Everyone ends up in the hallway. The Queen emerges and they all go, goodness, it's you. And she goes, I am the Queen of England and I may have the body of a weak and feeble woman, but I have the heart and stomach of a concrete elephant. Someone went, prove it. She says, certainly will. I'm going to have a drinky and then I'm going to execute the whole belly lot of you. And this quote of the Queen where she says, I am the Queen of England and I may have the body of a weak and feeble woman, this is another example of them stealing from actual speeches and from actual historical texts. Queen Elizabeth at Tilbury in 1588 as troops deployed to defend England from the Spanish rode around the squadrons and said, I know I have the body but of a weak, feeble woman, but I have a heart and stomach of a king. It's a famous speech. It goes on. There's other bits. And she was reminding them that she is the daughter of a king and she is the prince herself. And it is one of her most famous speeches. So she did that and they all end up in Baldrick's room having a big drink, including the White Adders as well, and they had a very nice time. This series, I really think Blackadder hit its stride. It is up there with the funniest. The costuming's brilliant. The sets are great. They've really focused on clever writing and I love it. I love it. Well, this, from here on, I love all of these because they're just, you know, the delivery of the lines, the interaction between Baldrick and, and Blackadder and just the stupidity of Percy and Stephen Fry. Melchim? Melchim. Yeah, it's just very clever studio set writing done in a play. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is where they really recovered the character of Blackadder himself. He really cut out that he was that cunning, witty. Weasley. uh, Well, not so much Weasley, but fairly shrewd rather than being just a bumbling prince. I think this is where he really showed that he was able to live by his wits, albeit in a lot of cases luck 
was on his side more often than not, or somebody else's bad luck was on his side more often than not. But it really developed the character itself. Yeah, and probably one of the the classic lines that I really liked from this entire series was whenever he was trying to explain stuff to Percy. And Percy was a bit of a gormless idiot. And um, one of my favourite lines is, the eyes are open, the mouth moves, but Mr Brain has long since departed, hasn't he, Percy? <laughs> yes. And one of the aspects of Blackadder I haven't addressed so far is Baldrick. Baldrick is Blackadder's servant. He's his dog's body. He starts off in the first series as a squire. He's working class. In one of the episodes, or oh, in the next series, he calls himself a snipe. He is Blackadder's foil and he's brilliant. He's played by Tony Robinson. That's Sir Tony to you. <laughs> and to you too. Is he a sir? Is yeah, he? he's yes. been knighted. Is he? Okay, there you yeah. go. For his is that for his... Um, what, what's that, Time Team? Time Team, that? yeah. He's been <laughs> for his services to historical research and history and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So Baldrick and Blackadder, they're a team. They're almost symbiotic. They can't exist without the other. Blackadder's reliant on him as his most faithful servant. Baldrick's reliant on Blackadder's patronage and employment. And they don't really like each other, but they work together and in this series where you really hear Baldrick at some stage every episode having a cunning plan, which has become a trademark saying from the Blackadder series. I think it was brilliant casting. I think Baldrick's a great character mm. and I just love him. Yeah, I think As- I think it's also a sort of when it comes to comedy, he's sort of the straight guy that just asks the question that everyone's got on their mind when there's a cunning plan afoot, if you like, and always acts as that bit of a foil to the main character. Yeah, he is definitely a foil. At the start of this episode, he um, comes in and he's got what looks like the scold's bridle on, except he's got a piece of cheese hanging off his nose. And he's, <laughs> they can't afford a cat, so he is catching the mouse. And Blackadder calls him an idiot or something. And then later on he comes back and he's got the headpiece on again, but this time he's got a mouth hanging off it. And he said he's now trying to catch cat because he got sick of eating mice. (laughs) I love Baldrick. He's great. But anyway, we'll move on to the third series, which aired in 1987. There wasn't as much time lag between the second and third series as there was with the first (laughs) Second, this is set during the Regency period in England and Blackadder has further fallen down the class ladder and he is now a butler to the Prince Regent. So he would be some form of middle class. His family would all be servants of some kind. Hugh Laurie plays the Prince Regent and that is a stroke of genius in casting. I don't know if you guys would differ with me on that. And He's just so pretty. Well, he was, wasn't he? (laughs) We have Baldrick still. Blackadder's, he really only has Baldrick in this one. He talks to Mrs Miggins as well from Mrs Miggins' pie shop in the Prince of Wales. This is during the Regency. So initially I thought it was set through the 1790s because there was a period before 1810 when George IV was regent for his father. He had to be regent because his father was suffering. The consensus seems to be now that he was suffering from porphyria, which was so severe it manifested as periods of madness. And he permanently was incapacitated from 1810 until his death in 1820. And that's 
the tight period known as the Regency. The writers of Blackadder, Ben Elton and Richard Curtis, have been a little bit loose with the timing of this one. One episode is dedicated to the French Revolution and to the terror, and they have Blackadder being involved with the Scarlet Pimpernel going and saving people from the guillotine in France. That was happening during the 1790s, not the 1810s. Other things were of the time, and there are several episodes which were very funny in this series, but the one I have chosen to focus on is called Dish and Dishonesty, which is a play on a couple of Jane Austen titles. She she was writing at this time, and she had Pride and Prejudice, of course, and another book of hers was Sense and Sensibility. So the writers have all the episodes titled in this pattern. The opening credits of this series I love. The music has been updated to be in the style of this period of time. So we've got oboes, we've got a harpsichord, we've got some drums. And the opening credits are in a library, as in maybe the Bodleian Library at Oxford. And I had a giggle this morning when I was looking at it. The books in the opening credits, they were all plays on Blackadder's name. So there was the Blackabite Rebellion and there was Encyclopedia Blackattica. And then there was, of course, Landscape Gardening by Capability Brown, who was at work during this time. That also is an allusion to George IV, the Prince Regent, who was big on architecture and design, and he designed Regent's Park. Anything that's got Regent on it was thanks to George. He loved fancy clothes. He loved women, although in this series he's not so lucky. He was a great big patron. He was a big patron of art and architecture, and he was really knowledgeable in those areas. This episode is Dish and Dishonesty, where the Parliament wants to bankrupt the Prince of Wales because he's being too wasteful with his money. This happened. They wanted him to stop spending money. They wanted to cut his money down on the civil list. It was in Parliament and by the skin of his teeth, he got out of it in real life. The way they deal with it, Blackadder, is to stack Parliament. The MP for the electorate of Dunning on the Wold died. So Blackadder puts Baldrick in as an MP candidate Dunny on the Wold is a rotten borough. There were electorates at this time called rotten boroughs, which once upon a time had populations, had people that needed representation, but now as time had gone on, they had been depopulated. And by the 1810s, the Industrial Revolution was well underway and there were now industrial cities. There was Manchester, there was Liverpool, there was Newcastle, which had big populations but very little representation. So Dunny on the Wold is not too far off the mark. They've just created one for the series. They have the election. Blackadder stacks the voting. He stacks everything to do with it and Baldrick gets elected. What's funny is where they call out the numbers for the election results and they have a commentator called Vince Hanna who reports on the result of the election. And that man who plays Vince Hanna in the show is actually Vince Hanna. And he was a journalist who used to cover elections on the BBC all the time. He was like the ABC's Anthony Green when we have elections. So they did a bit of casting like the goodies. They grabbed a journo and had him do his job on the show. Blackadder's nemesis in this episode is Pitt the Younger, who is the Prime Minister. Pitt the Younger was 
in his 20s or 30s. He was called that because his father had been prime minister. So people did that to differentiate. They have Pitt the Younger in the show as a teenager. In real life, he was older than that. And they just have jokes about him being spotty and unsure and a teenager. At the election, they also have some splinter groups. At that time, there was a lot of political unrest and there were splinter groups everywhere. What do you guys think of this episode? Yeah, I love this episode. Not for recording, but um, I only just finished watching it. I think I've got like 10 minutes to go. So it's not as fresh as the other one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the costuming with the Prince of Wales, nailed it. In one of the episodes of this series, Prince of Wales and Blackadder swap costumes and he pretends to be the butler. He used to really do that. They've taken a lot of truth from what the Prince Regent was really like and have just exaggerated it into Hugh Laurie in this show. It's running a lot closer to the truth than the previous series of Blackadder. I think they're very clever in how they've done it, how they've woven Blackadder into it. How do you know all of this? Because I've been researching for weeks. Okay. (laughs) For this podcast? this podcast what i just rocked up and got myself a gin and tonic i did contemplate getting my recorders down and playing the theme music but i thought no everybody (laughs) knows it that's it i'm out i'm done (laughs) well i thought a i'd have no one else podcasting with me and i was i was whistling the tune before it's a great theme one thing i didn't mention which needs mentioning is the credit scene of the second series where Blackadder's chasing a minstrel around a garden, which I think one of the gardens at Hampton Court, and the minstrel sings a song about what happened in the episode and he's not always kind to Blackadder about it. And in the beer episode, the minstrel's getting drunk and Blackadder's going after him with a stick. It's great. In the third series, the opening credits The music is refined. There's a harpsichord. It's all very sedate and lovely. In the closing credits, the music is more rambunctious. It's a more commoner's music. It's louder. It's more rhythmic. There's drums and they're using, I'm not sure what instrument it would be. I don't know that they had accordions in the 1810s, but that's what I think it sounds like. It's interesting how they've matched the music Howard Goodall matched the music to the period, but he also shows class differentiations in the music as well. Yeah, look, whilst he doesn't appear in this episode, there's actually, from this whole series, my favourite character, and also happens to be one of my favourite actors, is the character of Dr Samuel Johnson, that's played by Robbie Coltrane. And that, for me, is really the standout episode for this particular series because of the issues around the writing of the English language. You know, that was my second choice for the episode to focus on for this series of Blackadder. And I decided to go with the um, rotten boroughs because politics of that period permeated so much of society and attitudes and things. And I decided to do that instead of the thing. But that was my second choice. And, oh, who doesn't love Robbie Coltrane? And that was back in the days when he was really good looking. It was back in the days when he was playing Cracker. I love Robbie. Mm. Oh, I love Cracker. Oh. That, that oh. was another one of my favourite series. Oh, Robbie Coltrane is Cracker. <sighs> Speaking of, you know, good-looking people, I must comment on how amazing Rowan Atkinson looks in this series. Well, all the series, except for series one with the bowl hacker. But the beard and the hair with a perm through it, like it looks amazing. 
Yeah, second series. Very handsome. Second series, Blackadder Rowan Atkinson never looked better. Mm. That's that's peak Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah, which, you know, many women say that men don't hit their straps until they're 30 and that's when he's about 30. So there we go. There you go. Bargy, comments? Nothing. 30 was a long time ago for Bargy. <laughs> I'm sorry, but there's only one character that I look at in that regard. And that's for a later podcast where little Bobby Parker, saucier than a direct hit on the Heinz factory, might get mentioned. Oh, we're talking about Bob. 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 That's <laughs> funny. I actually still say Bob. And I, everybody like, who watched Blackadder does. You go, Bob. I, I know, but I, it's like I, did, I forgot where it came from. But it's still, I'm having major flashbacks. The way Oof. Robin Atkinson can play with words just in the pronunciation of a very ordinary word is one of his great talents. Not only his colossal mind. I mean, let's face it, the man's got a master's degree in engineering. He's got a mind like a steel trap. In fact, all the writers, all the producers, everybody involved with Blackadder are just like the infants terrible. They're just so clever. And the show is sometimes, especially in the first series, it's runs the risk of disappearing up its own ass for its being so clever. And I think that's where it loses its fun a bit. But the third series, it's very snappy. It's very, it's so funny. I, I do love it. And because they're filming on set, they've really only got three sets for this series. We've got Mrs. Miggins' pie shop. We've got the Prince Regent's couple of rooms and we've got the kitchen, except for the jewel and duality when they have the jewel and they go out down to the docks to do it or up onto Hampstead Heath or somewhere. Yeah, I, I just love it. Because I love the history part of it as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, it wasn't until I started studying and I went back and watched, you know, just happened to be re-watching yeah. Blackadder that I realised how funny the first series is. Yeah, yeah, and this is where it's probably too and, early, and you know, well, that's, that's where the references. It, and Yeah, well, that's where it falls down because you need to have a bit of knowledge to yeah. appreciate but, where they're taking the piece. But that's where it's like it's a bit too too clever yeah. and maybe that's because Rowan Atkinson is a bit too clever throughout yeah. the rest of us. My idea with doing the Blackadder podcast was because they do get so much of it right for the history of the yeah. period. You know, people don't care if they got the plates correct, which they do. Just, I'm really looking forward to the fourth series of Blackadder discussion. So am I. Oh, yes. I'm really looking That's forward just... to it. Just to round up Blackadder, do you guys have anything else to say? Well, as as you all know, my favourite TV show is Faulty Towers. And so the similarities of the, like you were referencing all the, you know, only a few sets, a few rooms that they work out of, the, the Baldrick, Blackadder, Manuel, Basil, characteristics and how they pick on each other, how Blackadder is always looking for the next something to make his riches, wants to be better. You know, Basil is very, very similar in that respect, you know, wants to better himself. And so the writing style and the slapstick and gripes that they give each other is, um, you know, it's very good. There's nothing more like abusing somebody else to end a joke. You're absolutely right on that. I hadn't thought of the similarities between Forty Towers and Blackadder, but you're absolutely right, especially between Basil and Manuel, Blackadder and Baldrick. That's that's an interesting thing because I was reading something 
not that long ago as part of the, my research for this was Rowan Atkinson was really mindful that they didn't want to be doing basically a rerun of Faulty Towers. And I think this is something that, that's come up in and just recently an interview with uh, Bill Oddy that some of you may have seen where all of these particular artists, Rowan Atkinson, John Cleese, Goodies, all of these guys knew each other and they're all off doing their own thing and this is where you've got that competing parts of the industry all wanting to produce obviously a, a show that's going to get them ratings and get them paid and all that sort of thing but they wanted to be something very different to everyone else and as Bill Otty, uh his recent interview on I think it was on the panel we had a couple of weeks ago where he was saying the goodies made a conscious effort not to be a skit show they wanted to have a storyline behind each of their episodes rather than just a group of disjointed skits, sketches. sketches. And, you know, Rowan Atkinson was also very uh, mindful of that in relation to what Faulty Towers had done and what John Cleese was doing at the time. He didn't want to sort of get into that side of the house because he had these other ideas that both he and um, Richard Curtis had discussed early on in 1982, I think. And when they came up with the original pilot, which never got aired, they really didn't want to be bustling in on somebody else's market, if you like. So whilst you can still see the similarities between the characters, it's quite important to note that they are two very, very different approaches Yes. Yes, agree. That's where, to me, the pinnacle and everything in my life comes back to Faulty Towers. And so you can't help but see those those similarities. But certainly, yes, the goodies were very, very different. Just the constant quibble between Blackadder and Baldrick. And, it, I mean, the whole thing is very Commedia dell'art as well. You know, it's people come in, people exit. They have their strong characters and, you know, you may not see them again. Yeah, it's fantastic very very good and I'm glad to actually have rediscovered it because I had forgotten about it and how much I loved it really oh you're right I was just said something else to do during lockdown something else to watch well yeah true the thing to remember is it is still a sitcom it still has a half hour time limit so there are only so many ways you can structure a show to tell a whole story within that time the point of difference with Blackadder is they're using history and they're telling it within history. That doesn't often happen with a sitcom. And the big thing is, as I think one of you pointed out earlier, possibly Bargy, they set the first series of Blackadder in the 1480s. Who else does that? And it's very brave of them to do so. Yeah, lots of people know bits and pieces about the 1500s, about Elizabeth I. Lots of people know bits and pieces about Jane Austen's time. So those periods aren't so mysterious to those of us living today. Also, we can read what was written back in those days. We can read Shakespeare and we can understand it. We can read Jane Austen's words. We can understand them. It is a lot harder for people to go and read something from the 1480s and understand it as instantly as we would Shakespeare and Jane Austen. 
And I think it's very brave and very clever of the writers and producers of Blackadder to choose the periods in which it has. I think another thing that was very, very clever, which they did with Blackadder, was to show how families wax and wane over centuries, how people can be, there's a saying that everyone's related to royalty if you go back far enough. Blackadder is a demonstration of that. He starts off as a prince. He is slowly going down the social classes. He starts off as a prince in the first series he's a noble in the in the second series and i read somewhere that he's meant to be the first black adder's great grandson in the third series he's merely middle class and he's a butler in the fourth series he's just a lieutenant in the army not taking anything away from lieutenants but he is not noble he's not a gentleman and it's interesting how they demonstrated that through the different black adders through the series and i that's all right i'm i'm gonna call you on something there he was actually a captain Oh, was he? Sorry. I thought he was lieutenant. Who was the lieutenant then? George. 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 Sorry, had them mixed up. Now, for a piece of Blackadder trivia, if anyone can name the first actor that was cast as Baldrick, I'm sure there'll be a prize. So for our listener out there, if you really want to be involved in part of the podcast and you know the answer to this, and it'd be really nice for the listener occasionally to touch base with us, you can reach us at podnoname at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook at, at podnoname. And Bargy, what would the said prize be? Oh, a night out with Eddie. Now that's a treat if ever I've heard of one. Second prize is two nights out with Eddie. The third prize is a night out with Eddie and the master. Right. <laughs> or the master. <laughs> I'd just like to wrap up my discussion of Blackadder with Bargy and Leanne and I would like to thank you both for joining in and participating. Thank you very much. We look forward to the second part of our Blackadder discussion, which will be in a few weeks hence when Bargy leads a discussion about the fourth series of Blackadder, which has enough issues to be a standalone episode. Thank you very much for participating tonight, listener, and um, good health. Thank you for joining us at the podcast with no name. We hope you have as much fun listening to us as we've had recording it. If you would like to email the podcasters, you can reach us at podnoname.gmail.com or otherwise you can find us on Facebook at, at podnoname. Take care, listener, and we hope that you will join us again for another exciting and scintillating episode of the podcast with no name. Thank mm-hmm. you.